Okay, let's look at our scripture that can be found on the inside of the bulletin. This is our first Advent sermon. If you remember, we're going to be focusing on the incarnation, and the title of this series is From the Throne to the Cradle. So this is Matthew 1, 18 through 25. Matthew 1, 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. The word of the Lord. Well, I'm sure all of us have one of these in our pockets or in our purse. They're keys. But does one of your key cost $65,000? This one doesn't. But I want to tell you the story about the time that I used to hold a key that was worth $65,000. I was a young lad in the University of Virginia, and I was one of the directors of a tennis camp. And uh, th at that tennis camp, there's a facility at UVA, an apartment facility called Lambeth Complex. And basically, we had hundreds of kids who were staying there. And as one of the directors, I was brought into the office from the main director, and he gave me a key. And he said, this key will open every single door, every single closet, every single bathroom in Lambeth Complex. So this is so you can have access anywhere you need. But there's one catch. If you lose it, you owe $65,000 because that is the cost it will take to rekey every single door lock in Lambeth Complex. A lot of responsibility for a 21-year-old young man. And so I tied it around my neck. I wore it to sleep. I kept it everywhere with me. I never let it out of my sight until one day when I went uh, and had some time off and went to play uh, football with some other guys. I was a Young Life leader also at the time. And so when it came time to uh, go to the Lambeth Complex for lockup, I reached for my key, and it was not there. Panic instantly set in. Where was this key? My life, my financial life passed before my eyes as I pictured myself in indentured servitude to the University of Virginia to a wee old age. I went back to that field, literally getting on my hands and knees, scouring every inch for the $65,000 key. I invited others in the search with me. I shared my desperation, maybe even shed a tear in private, but to no avail. I could not find it. And time was up. I had to go back and do my duties and responsibilities and so when I went back fully prepared to confess my sin in the director's office, as I was walking in the door, he handed me my key. I had loaned it out 
to one of the other directors to open a door and had forgotten that I had done so. Salvation has come to the house of Rodriguez. You know, the extent to which you value something is the extent to which you will go to rescue it. This key was of immense value to me, and so there was nowhere I would not go. There was nothing I would not do to find it. And I preface this passage with this parable or analogy because I think it tells the story of the love of Jesus Christ. Because the extent to which you value something is the extent to which you will go to rescue it. And no one, and I do mean no one, has ever gone so far to save someone as Jesus has gone to save you. And so we must draw near to the one who has drawn near to us. For it is this very purpose for which he came. I want to look at three specific points in this passage. Number one, how he came. How far was it that the Son of God was willing to go to come into our midst? Second, I want to look at why he came. Why did he need to come in this manner? Why did he need to become a man, a humble man at that? And then finally, number three, what is our part to play in this? How do we respond? So how he came, why he came, and how we respond. Well, let's begin with point number one, how he came. Matthew 1.18 starts us off saying this way. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. Probably read that passage a hundred times or heard it said, but I want to stop there because there are two words that don't really go together, and that's birth and Jesus Christ. We need to understand that this one called Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has always existed. So to say the birth of Jesus Christ on the face of it doesn't make any sense. For if he is God, the Son of God, he is timeless. And the scriptures clearly communicate that. John 1.1 1, 1 puts it this way, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And so it says, in the beginning was the word, the word being Jesus Christ. Not in the beginning the word was created, but at the very beginning there already was the word. He was with God and he was God. He was there in the beginning before there were galaxies, before there was space, before there was time. There was Jesus Christ along with the Father and the Holy Spirit. He was with God in the beginning. Indeed, all things were made through him. That means he already had to be in order to make. Everything that we see, everything that exists was made through this timeless one, Jesus Christ. Indeed, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Jesus is the life giver, the one that brought life into the world, the one that brought life onto this planet. Jesus put it a different way in John 17 in that high priestly prayer with his father, where he said, Father, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. 
He has always been and always will be. And yet, the birth of Jesus Christ took place. Without giving up what he was, he became what he was not and entered into the realm of humanity. Well, it goes on where it says, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. I find it interesting how they are titled Mary and Joseph. Should have been Queen Mary II by the grace of God, queen of the realm and of her other realms and territories, head of the commonwealth, defender of the faith. That's the title of a true queen, right? Elizabeth II's title, actually. But it was just Mary, not even a last name. Mary and Joseph, a teenager and an 18, 19, or 20-year-old young man giving birth to God. Mary was found to be with child. Now, I don't know, we don't have a lot of time to talk about the birds and the bees. But when one is with child, what that means is that a sperm cell and a female egg have united. A single cell. And surely Jesus was fully human, and that means that this sperm cell that united with Mary's egg cell had all of God in it, all of the Son of God in a small sperm cell. One-tenth, less than one-tenth of the width of a human hair. The creator of heaven, the sustainer of the universe, all packaged in a tiny seed. Did not the Lord say, am I a God at hand and not a God far away? Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him? Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. And yet all of this God who inhabits all of the universe entered into a tiny cell to be united to the cell of a teenager. Let me give you an illustration of the immensity of what I'm talking about. If we were to hop on the space shuttle, if it still existed, and take a little trip to the sun, at its top speed it would take us seven months to get there. The sun is the nearest star to planet Earth. But if we wanted to go to the next star, it would not take us seven months, but rather it would take us 70,000 years traveling by the space shuttle. However, that's just the beginning. I'm blowing someone's mind. I can tell an alarm is going off. If you wanted to travel across the Milky Way galaxy, you would have to travel not by the speed of the space shuttle, but the speed of light, 186,000 miles a second. But you already knew that. And it would take you 100,000 years at the speed of light to get to the end of the Milky Way. But if you wanted to get to the next galaxy, other than the Milky Way, the closest one, you would have to travel by the speed of light for a million years. And if you wanted to go to distant galaxies, it would take you billions of light years to get there. And yet, Jesus is already there, creating and sustaining every single one of the atoms and nanoparticles of those galaxies. And yet in this flash of unbelievable, I don't even know the word to describe it, all of Jesus Christ came into a sperm cell. All of the Son of God in one cell, five microns 
in diameter. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us because God would be like us. With two eyes and two ears. With a body that would sweat and thirst. With aches and pains after a long uncomfortable night's sleep with the temptations that all of us have experienced and the betrayals of relationships that we all also have experienced, like us in every single way without sin. God became one of us because he became one with us. So what do you see when you see Jesus? A baby born to poor parents who is just a man, Oh, a great teacher who had much wonderful things to say, but just a man. Or do you see a God who can't relate to me? Someone who lives on another plane of existence and maybe walked throughout this earth, but really smiled knowingly, untouched by the foibles and problems of this world. No, this child was all of God in a man and all of man in a God because he was and is one of us today. Nobody has come further to come close to you and me than Jesus Christ has come. Well, I've described how he came. I want to talk a little bit about why he came in this way. Notice that it says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. There are a million ways that it could have happened, right? There could have been a a, a uh, streaking light in the sky as a spaceship plummeted to Earth, putting a crater the size of Mars on the side of the planet. No, that wouldn't really work, would it? Could have come as a king. Could have come as a sign in the sky. But the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. Why was there a need for Jesus to become a human? The answer is given in verse 21. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Jesus had to become a man to save us from our sins. You see, humanity was sick from the beginning. Man was created to love and worship God and honor him and to love one another with the same intensity of love that we have for each other. But all of us have failed. All have gone astray. And none seek God. The scriptures are clear that the wages of sin is death. And so all of humanity was under a death sentence. This was the problem of mankind. But God had a problem as well. For he made us in his image. We were be to, to be the capstone of creation that which all of creation would look upon and see the marvel and beauty of God. And here we were subject to corruption. For God to have his name impugned would not do. But man has sinned and man must pay. God cannot save. God is the only one, though worthy or able to save. Man must pay, but God can save. And so what was the solution? God became a man. And you shall call his name Jesus, 
for he will save his people from their sins. If you understand the name Jesus, you'll understand why Jesus came. Remember, we, we name people names now, but often most of our names are abstract. But in the Old Testament, a name was given that meant something. It was supposed to signify something. And so as the angel said, you are to give this child the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus or Yeshua in Hebrew actually is a shortened uh, name for Yehoshua from two words, Yeho or Yahweh and Yasa, which means to save. And so Jesus' actual translation of his name or the meaning of his name is the Lord is salvation. Jesus is salvation. We see here that it says that Emmanuel for God with us. But there's a difference between someone being with you and being with you. God was with us physically as he walked this earth. But God was also with us emotionally, volitionally, by choice. The Lord is with us. It says that he, he came and he will save his people from their sins. Not those people or you people, but his people. He identified himself with us, with humanity. As Luke 19.10 said, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. What is the greatest struggle that you and I have? I know for me this challenge that God is for me. Oh, sure, he's with me, but to be for me. And the challenges that I have as a human being, is God simply looking on from afar? Or is he down in the trenches with me? Is he for me in the midst of my circumstances and my challenges? The incarnation shows that there is no limit to which God will go to be with you and me. The reality, my friends, is humanity is messy. It's full of blood and guts and hate and anger. But Jesus Christ came down and shared in every single bit of it. He came down into the mess of humanity. So what's your mess? What's the mess you find yourself in the middle of right now? Have you experienced death in your household? A child? A spouse? And there's a mourning and a longing for that which was, but no more can be in this world? And people love you and care for you and say good things and mean them. But no one can understand. No one's there at the end of the day. Jesus came down into that mess to be with you because the Lord is with you. Is your mess your sin? The bitterness in your life that you can't let go of? The fantasizing of another life? another spouse, another world, the pornography that meets your needs. Jesus came down into that mess too 
to lift us up out of it. Maybe it's just hopelessness and resignation. I'll never change. She'll never change. My circumstances will never change. I'm trapped. Jesus came down into that mess. See, what we need is for God to come alongside us and to lift us out because we are trapped in this thing we call humanity. But God came into the world to save his people from their sins. That's why he came. No one has ever gone so far to save someone as Jesus has come to save you. So draw near to the one who draws near to you. That brings me to my final point, how we respond. There's another actor in this story, isn't there? Joseph, a young guy with a heart full of love and his whole life ahead of him. Joseph was a builder. He had a trade. He had a job. And he had a wife to be anyways. Mary was betrothed to Joseph. So in essence, Mary was his bride. They were married in every sense of the word, except for cohabitation. Joseph was in the process of building a home. And about a year betrothal process, he would go and take Mary and bring her to live with him in, the, in their home forever. They would have children. Money had been exchanged. Deals had been struck. And Joseph was thinking of a future. And it says here that Mary was found to be with child. What does that mean, found to be with child? Did Mary share the news? Apparently, from the story, we know that Mary quickly went to the house of Elizabeth to spend time with her when the angel told her that these things were going to happen. And it was in, at Elizabeth's house, away from Joseph, that the baby began to gestate. And eventually, Mary began to show. This was no small journey, by the way. And so when Mary came back, there was no hiding can you imagine the eyes of Joseph as he looked upon his bride, seeing the bulge in her stomach? See, Mary at least had assurances. I mean, what is Mary going to say, right? It's from the Holy Spirit, Joseph. Who's going to believe that one? Mary at least could look upon her stomach and have assurances, for she knew that she had been with no man, that every time she doubted, she could look down and know this is from God. But Joseph had nothing. But Joseph was a compassionate man. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. The angel came down to Joseph and told him, Joseph, you're, you're part of a bigger story, son of David. I'm doing something in your world. And guess what? This is the son of God. And you are to give him the name, Jesus. For he will save his people from his sins. I love how the angel told Joseph, but gave Joseph the choice. Because God always gives us a choice. 
we, to be sure, live with the consequences of our choice. But Joseph had the choice of what name to give this child. Joseph had the choice of whether to name the child at all. Joseph had in mind to divorce her quietly. According to Mosaic law, one could be stoned for actually having adultery outside of marriage. Joseph could have called a council together. He could have had a trial. He could have cleared his name. He could have come out of this thing scot-free. He wasn't even going to do that. He was going to divorce her quietly, meaning he was going to have no witnesses. There was just going to be a certificate written. He was going to have a stain upon his name. He was willing to do that. But this was way too much to ask to take this pregnant, un, what would you even call it? I don't know. Into his home. But Joseph considered these things. And God spoke to Joseph. And Joseph said, I want to be part of this story. Because what God is doing in the world is what I've been longing for all along. I get to be the father of the son of God. God came near and he comes near to all of us. But what would it be like to have your son to be the son of God? To grow up watching him. He was fully man and fully God. We don't know when Joseph passed away. It was before Jesus reached adulthood most likely. But what amazing things Joseph got to see in his house. As the son of God drew near to him. We all have a choice of how we respond. We can disregard the whole thing, right? Distance ourselves from this Christmas story. Maybe turn it into something else with a guy with a red outfit. Sanitize it. Make it pretty and clean. We can come close. Or we can embrace it. God with us. That's what Joseph did. He entered into the story because what he wanted more than anything else was to draw near to this one who would be willing to allow himself to call Joseph his father. No one has ever gone so far to save someone as Jesus Christ has come to save you. So this Advent season, I invite you to draw near to the one who draws near to you. To take the time every day to marvel at this Christmas story. To call out to God, much as Joseph, I'm sure, in his prayers did. Lord, help me. Help me in my unbelief. God draws near to ordinary people like Mary and Joseph. And he still draws near to ordinary people like you and me. May you reach out our hand your hand to clutch the hand of the Savior as Mary did and Joseph did during that Christmas time. Let's pray. All of you, God, and all of one person, that you might be with us. We hear it so often. We can lose the enormity of it. But Jesus, you came to save and seek the lost. And so, Lord, let us draw near to you with full assurance that you are with us and that you've come to save us. 
We pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.